We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What is going on, everybody? How are you doing? What's up? Welcome to the future award-winning Talk of Buffalo podcast. Part of the Blue Wire Network. I am your host, Patrick Moran. You can follow me on Twitter at Pat Moran Tweets. If you're not yet already subscribed to this podcast, go ahead and do that right now. Make sure you subscribe, whatever platform that you enjoy listening to your podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, all of them. Don't matter. We're all over the place. New episodes every Tuesday, every Friday, and random bonus episodes scattered. Throughout the month, we just started doing that. So, yeah, twice a week for sure. And you never know. You wake up in the morning, there might be a new episode. And again, if you subscribe, you'll know because it gets sent right to your phone. Uh, I'll tell you what, too. We're going to start doing some contest giveaways. In fact, got one going on literally right now. And this is something that is for subscribers only. Another reason to subscribe to this podcast. If you subscribe, all you got to do, head on over to Twitter. And you can win yourself a free large pizza and 20 wings, whatever flavor you want to get from our good friends over at Macy's Place Pizzeria. Absolutely elite wings and elite pizza. Everybody in Western New York knows that. And by the way, I know some people are going to ask me, so I'll let you know now. No, you don't have to be in Buffalo or Western New York to be eligible to win. You can live in California. And if you win, you're obviously not going to go to Macy's Place Pizzeria, or maybe you will. Maybe you'll hop on a plane and fly there because their pizza wings are that good. But anyway, you could gift it to somebody else in the area. So that's not a problem. All you got to do to win is go to my Twitter page. Again, at Pat Moran Tweets. And there's going to be a tweet pinned right at the very top. 
All you got to do is retweet that out. And you also need to reply with the screenshot as proof that you indeed are subscribed to this podcast. That's it. I'll draw the winner pretty soon. And we're going to be doing, like I said, a lot of promotional giveaways involving this podcast in the weeks ahead. Some more food places, some merch to give away, all kinds of stuff. So stay tuned. Coming up on today's show, I got content creator, Twitter troll legend, my buddy, Barry McCockiner is returning to the show. You know Barry, that name, by the way. I love Barry McCockiner, one of uh, the best alias names of all time. I got to say this too. So like behind the trolls, and this is what I've learned about Barry. I've talked to him in DMs. I've had him on the show before. We went for a full hour about a year or so ago, or almost a year. Beyond the trolling stuff, which I think is funny. Some people love it. Some people hate it. But anyway, Barry is a, a sports hot take machine, man. He's he's really good. He, he knows what he's talking about. Uh, he's also, he has his own podcast, Class Act Podcast. He's got a very popular YouTube channel where he makes some pretty funny and entertaining videos. A lot of them involving NFL quarterbacks, more specifically Tom Brady. Uh, Barry hates Tom Brady. We all know that. Anyway, Barry's one of those like polarizing people on Twitter. One of those really, truly uh, polarizing characters, man. There's no in between, you know? Fans either, they love him or, or they hate him. There's, again, there's no middle ground there. And obviously, I'm in the former here. This is the second time I've had him on the show. And yeah, I, again, Barry's known for, for trolling fans and trolling sports media people. He's always pretending he's like Ian Rappaport or Schefter putting out phony reports and seeing who bites. I think it's funny. Some don't. But, but again, beyond that, the dude has really good in-depth sports takes and sports knowledge. And we'll talk plenty of Buffalo Bills today because I'll tell you what, I always love getting a Buffalo Bills perspective, perspective from an outsider, somebody who doesn't have any emotional ties or attachments to the team, to the players, to the moves that they're making. I always feel like they end up being more honest. So we'll talk Bills. We'll talk about the AFC East. How close are these teams getting to Buffalo this season? New England, the Jets, Miami, they're all very active right now. So we'll talk about them. We'll take a look around the league. We'll do some Tom Brady bashing. I know Barry always likes to do that. Barry hates Tom Brady more than any man alive. I, I truly believe that. Uh, maybe we'll switch gears a little bit. Talk a little bit. LeBron James. Barry's a big LeBron fan. Uh, tons of good stuff. But again, Barry McCockiner, one of my favorite guys to talk to. Not going to waste any more time here at the top. Let's just jump right into it right now. Here it is, folks. My chat with content creator, Barry McCockiner. All right, my guest is one of the best-known trolls on Twitter, one of the funniest, and I've learned through getting to know him over these past couple of years, one of the, actually, the best sports analysts out there when he wants to be, man. He's got a, a great podcast, Class Act Podcast, a YouTube channel that's very popular, puts up some funny stuff, but also some, actually, some really informative content as well. Talking about content creator, Twitter sports personality, Barry McCockiner. What's going on, my man? How you doing? I'm doing good. Glad to be here. I'm glad to have you back on for a second time. I originally had you on. It was back in July of 2020. And I'll tell you what, man, I, and I told you this at the time, that turned out to be one of the most listened and 
downloaded episodes I've ever had on this podcast, man. Over 300 episodes I've done now too. So thanks for that. We're going to have plenty to talk about today. But first though, you know, I should ask you this and we're going to talk bills. We're going to talk NFL in just a few minutes. But I should have asked you this first time I had you on. Do you remember how you came up with the specific Barry McCockner alias? Like, is that the name that popped right in your head or were you kind of toying around with some other names? Can Can you remember that? Well, <clears throat> I I had had Twitter for about I don't know three or four years at at a certain point, and I had my real face and I had my real name as my Abby and my description. And I I thought, well, you know, it, it's it's time for something. I needed to do something different because I was getting, I kept getting stalled and suspended at around uh, ten thousand or so followers on my real shit. And so I was like, well, I need to do something different to, to switch things up and just to, just to try it out. And so I was, you know, I was watching NBA TV one night and there's always, there was always this, this shitty quality commercial uh, with this doctor guy or, or this, this actor playing a doctor. And he was really, really like super aggressive. And he's like, you better call the addiction <laughs> network now. And I was like, I don't, I, I had been, th- this commercial had been playing for years. And so I was like, I, I thought because of how shitty the quality of the commercial was, I thought it was just some local commercial. And so I figured, you know, why don't I just make this guy's face, my new profile picture? I thought that'd be pretty funny. And yeah, when I did, when I made it my profile picture at the time, uh, Twitter had the thing where it was like it, Twitter would make would leave a tweet when you changed your profile picture. And so when I did that, a bunch of my followers were like, oh, yeah, I know this guy. I know this guy. And I was I was stunned. I was like, what? I mean, this 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 isn't some shitty local commercial, you know, fraud type of thing. Uh, and I figured, all right, so I might have something here in terms of the profile picture. But I wanted I, I didn't want to use my my real name anymore. So I figured I what what's a what's a funny dirty sounding name that isn't too obvious right away. And so I went on these different websites to look up, you know, funny sounding names. And I came across Barry McCockiner and I, it, it took me like, I read it a few times and I was on the floor laughing because it took, it took me a few times to get it. And so I was like, Oh, that's <laughs> yeah. going to be, that's perfect. And so I, I did it. And shortly afterwards I did this, uh, this thread this infamous, it, this infamous uh, MJ thread of mine where I was, I would just take uh, clips and pictures from Jordan, Michael Jordan's career. And I would, I would make comments about, Oh, you know, he's guarding, uh, you know, he's being guarded by a plumber or a, or a librarian or something like that. And it, it just, it, it just exploded. And so for, it was really like a perfect storm. This was, this was when, uh, this was right before the NBA playoffs at the time. And it just, it was a perfect storm where it was the new, it was the new Abby. It was the new uh, name. And then I had this, this extremely popular thread that made it on to ESPN even. And after that, it's like, I haven't really looked back no matter, even if, even when I've gotten suspended since then, you know, I've always had a really decent amount of followers and, and that's how the entire Sports talk Barry thing took off. It really was just a perfect storm of stupidity. 
<laughs> well, I'll tell you, it's literally one of my favorite aliases that I've I've ever heard. And I, I still laugh when, when I hear it to this day. And matter of fact, my wife has like maybe at best a passing interest in my podcast personally. But sometimes, you know, I'll tell her, I'll say, all right, so honey, I'm about to take this interview. She's working from home this week. And she's like, oh, yeah, who's, who's your guest? And I said, Barry McCocker, she started laughing right away. So yeah, man, yep. it's an awesome uh, alias. And by the way, so your latest Twitter handle is Ultra Weed Hater. I'll put that in the show notes too. How long has it been now since you've had a Twitter account suspension? Because you've had this name for a minute. I mean, you were burning through some names for a while, which this one's at 55,000 right now, man. How long has it been since you've had this one? Well, ironically enough, I haven't been... Based on my recollection, uh, I've only really been suspended twice over the last, I don't know, nine or 10 months. Um, And the last time I got suspended, it was on election night, actually, when I was uh, pretending to be Jamel Hill, you know, doing some some race baiting stuff. And and, uh, Ben Shapiro actually fell for it and he retweeted me. And... uh, and actually, like I was like, "Oh, this is great!" Like I, I got a huge fish to bite, and uh, the fo- like I was getting so many followers, and then boom, like uh, the the dreaded notification uh, came across the bottom of the screen, like your account's been suspended, and that was on you know that was election night, so that was early November. Uh, so it's been about four months now on this new one, and I I, I don't want to give away my secrets in case uh, there's any Twitter executives listening to this. Uh, but, uh, I, I think I found a, a new, uh, way to avoid, uh, them tracking my computer. So really it, it, as long as I avoid saying or doing something, you know, super, super offensive, then, um, I, I should be good on this account and you know, knock on wood. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been nice to, actually have you know an account that you don't have to keep restarting uh every every month or two months the way it used to be yeah i mean you do a good job you always eventually build your following back up but it's got to be a pain in the ass and in some respects and time consuming and it takes time for in some cases i don't i mean again you've had this one for a while i I don't remember which one it was because again there was a time where you were getting suspended a lot i'm talking about a year year and a half ago whatever it may have been yeah. Sometimes it would take me a little bit of time to to find you again. And I'm sure that's the case with a lot of people out there. So it, it's got to be like a big pain in the ass. Now, when it comes to like messing around with famous people on Twitter, who are a couple of your favorite to go after? Like I always, I see you going at Cardi B a lot, uh, Dave Portnoy from Barstool Sports. Like who are some of your favorite people to mess with on Twitter? And I'm not talking about necessarily the, uh, you know, creating a, a fake name and a, and a fake profile picture and putting out fake news to see who will fall for it. I'm talking about just like talking shit to some of these people, because I'll tell you right now, Barry, I'm waiting for the day. And this is the one I got circled on my calendar with you. When Cardi B comes back at you, I, I, I want to be there. I want to be there. I'm all there for when that happens. But like, yeah, who are some of the people that like you like messing with the most on Twitter? Oh my God. Well, um, the Cardi B shit is hilarious, by the way. Yeah, Cardi B, Cardi B is definitely one. I mean, she's terrible. She's she's horrible. And yeah. like, 
it's not, and it's it's her, but it's really a lot of these uh, celebrities. Uh, th- th- that whole section of Twitter where it, there's just so many people uh, live vicariously through these celebrities, and the, the fan bases are just so strikingly odd. And so, like, I, I as much as I like to shit on the stupidity of, of people like Cardi B, I'm always a little bit wary of it because their fans are are like they're not they're not right they're not all there mentally so right. like, i don't want to get i don't want to get mass reported and uh you know see all my hard work building up a new account go to waste so i'm always cognizant of that i mean at least at least nowadays i am i mean in the old days i wouldn't have given a shit but but yeah cardi b is definitely one uh i like to you know i like to respond to a bunch of the the barstool guys. I don't even know if they see. I don't even know if they see the shit I say. But I, I, I know that Barstool is another another uh, company that has obviously a very dedicated fan base. So um, I like to to just joke around with them, even if they don't see it. But uh, and obviously, you know, there's there's. I mean, Ian Rappaport and Schefter. You know, I like to make fun of Rappaport a lot. Me and him have uh, not not make fun of him, but we have like this, you know, inside joke where like every every new account I've gotten, I've I've gotten him to respond to one of my tweets on one of his yeah on one of his notifications. And he he hasn't done it yet on this new account, and and honestly, I'm I'm offended, but <laughs> um no, but Ian, you know, he I I like to just make jokes with him and um. But yeah, I mean, just really, you know, Cardi B is really one that just just chops my ass. Like, just like to, because she just has like so, she has absolutely zero talent. She's hideous to look at. She's just just absolutely disgusting. So I like to just I like to talk shit about her and go at her whenever I can. <laughs> is there anyone else out there on Twitter? Maybe somebody I forgot that like Barry McCockner has like a legitimate, uh, genuine disdain for. I know Cardi B. Is there, is there anyone else? Obviously, uh, Tom Brady's another one, but uh, uh, actually, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm one of my I'm one of my old accounts. I don't know if it was I don't know if it was Tom or one of his social media managers, but he actually his account like he blocked me on one of on one of my old accounts. Um, but I was I was stunned because you know the guy gets probably you know millions and millions of notifications. I was surprised he saw mine, but uh, but that was a good moment. That was a that was a really really watershed moment because there's there's you know a non-zero chance that Tom Brady knows who Barry McCockner is. And I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, for sure. Now, again, you do YouTube videos, you have your own YouTube channel and the class act podcast. Is there one of the other that like you enjoy doing more like the edge of choice, or if you could only do one and if you take away like potential monetary aspects of it, but just, is there one or the other that you enjoy doing more or is it just got you're you're good with doing both of them? Uh, well, I mean, in all honesty, I, I, I do enjoy it's, it's for different reasons. The podcast is so much easier to do, at least when you're talking sure. about making quality content, um, you can just sit down and, and record and it takes, you know, depending on how long the episode is, it takes, you know, an hour, maybe an hour, 15 minutes or so. Uh, like if you want to make something worthwhile on YouTube, then you really, really have to take time. And, and what I do is. And what I found makes it a little bit easier is I, I type out what I want to narrate before and then I narrate it and then I, I put it, you know, I do, I use iMovie for all my shit. So I, I narrate it and then I, I try to 
put, see how long that is. And then I find this certain amount of clips, but you know, you, YouTube, like making those, I make a lot of, uh, most of my YouTube vids are 10 to 20 minutes long. So it takes a decent amount of finding the right amount of clips, uh, shortening the clips. So you don't get uh, hit for copyright so you can actually make money. Um, and that's honestly, that's what makes, that's probably what makes the YouTube videos take so long is, is if you want to make money off of them, you got to really, really make sure that they're only a certain length, each clip, like sure. you don't want to have 10 seconds long, like, like about five seconds or so is the longest you can put a clip in without getting struck with the copyright notice. But, um, I, I enjoy, I, I, I think the podcast, I really don't know. I think the YouTube that's it's a good question because they both have their qualities. I think I think I, I wish you know making YouTube videos was as easy as uh, doing a podcast, but I I think it it really it feels rewarding when you sit down and you and you take the time to make a video and you look up all these clips and you you do all this and you do it at the end. You, obviously, you do it to make money, but. You do it also because you think that, hey, you know, my followers might enjoy this and people might enjoy it. And so when, when people say, hey, you know, I thought this was a really good video, uh, that that feels pretty good. Now, I wish I, I wish that the, my YouTube channel would, would grow a little bit faster. I mean, it, it's it's over 31,000 subs now, which is honestly um, more than I ever thought it would be. But it's uh, it, it, I tell you, it's really sometimes it's like pulling teeth trying to get people to subscribe. I mean, it's 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 surprising. You know, people are stubborn. It's like, hey, you know, I have a YouTube channel here. It's if you like my shit on Twitter, I guarantee you, you'll like my content on YouTube. And but sometimes, sometimes it can be like pulling teeth a little bit to, to convince people to subscribe. But why do you think that is, Barry? Because, and I agree with you 100. That's why I'm asking you because I'm not in the same boat as you because you actually are producing content. All I use my YouTube channel for, at least at this time anyway, is I'll pull like a couple audio clips from my podcast episodes, like I'll take a sound bite from this episode, I'm sure. And I'll slap it up on YouTube and it'll just be a still image. So unlike you, puts a lot of time and a lot of effort to work into their videos at this time, at least anyway, I don't. But anyway, my point is this. So when you're trying to get somebody to subscribe to say your podcast, there's a lot of people still as popular as podcasts are. There are still a, more people. that's actually alarming to me who don't even know how to listen to a podcast. Like they don't even know how to go on a platform and subscribe to anything like trying to explain to somebody how to go on Apple or Spotify and follow your podcast and hit subscribe or whatever is like a big yeah. chore. Plus, if you have an Apple um, phone, you're going to have uh, Apple Podcasts. If you have an Android, you're probably going to have Google Play or whatever. You know what I'm saying, though. But point being is there's options. YouTube, you know, it don't matter if you got a phone, a Mac, a, a PC. All you got to do is go click a link. And hit subscribe. And literally, that's it, no matter where you're doing it from. So, yeah, I get it. I mean, I'm trying to tell my friends, I'm like, yo, I want to get my subscriber count up. Even if you're not going to watch the videos or, or clips or whatever, just hit subscribe. So, I don't know. When you said that, that kind of struck me because you're right. It is like pulling teeth to get people to subscribe to a channel sometimes. Well, I think one of the things is I think Twitter is people who follow me on Twitter and really anybody on Twitter, Twitter is a lot more rapid fire. Uh, it's kind of like you can just take it, you can make a tweet any moment and you can make uh, 15, 20 tweets a day. Whereas with YouTube, uh, you know, I might go a week or two without making a video. And so people might say, hey, well, 
Uh, you know, he's only making, uh, he hasn't made too many videos and he doesn't make videos nearly as frequently. So maybe they just don't feel like taking the time. I don't know. Um, but, point. but, uh, I, I, it's frustrating at times trying to build up the account, but I also know that, uh, I believe in the quality and, and my sports knowledge. And I think that eventually we'll see a breakthrough. Um, but I but that's it. But that's the, that's the ironic thing about YouTube is that if you want it to be, if you want to become big, it's really not it, like I, I'm fortunate in the fact that I've had a start off point with my Twitter account and in the past, my Instagram account, like I, I had a start off point to help me get off the ground quicker in terms of building my YouTube channel. Cause I had, I had some, I had my followers migrate from Twitter to YouTube. Whereas a lot of people don't have that. They right. don't have that big fan base already to help them get off the ground on YouTube. Um, but the thing about YouTube that is interesting, and it's also part of, I guess, I don't know, the thrill is, you know, you got to try and a lot of the views and a lot of the interactions come from people who aren't subscribed to you. So like if, if, you're going to become famous, then it's going to have to be in all honesty, it's, it's, it's going to become, it's going to have to be a result of people you don't even know, as opposed to like, you could just have, if I told all my followers to just watch this video, it would do good. But for, for example, on, on, I, I made a video on Aaron Rodgers, uh, why uh, the Packers, you know, didn't become a dynasty with Aaron Rodgers. And this was, uh, last this was during last off season and it was yeah. strange because you know I, I promoted it on youtube and you know my followers did it and my followers came and followed and it was it, it did good but it, it kind of it kind of was dormant for a few days and then all of a sudden it just started getting a shitload more viewers it's just like and the view the view count and and i started to get a bunch more subscribers without even doing anything and i was like what what is this for like it, but something in the YouTube algorithm or whatever was promoting my video and it got it out there to a much larger audience than say I could have just in my own. And, but that's like the only time that's like the only time so far for me that it's actually happened where it felt like on its own, it just kind of, the video just took off on its own and I was getting, you know, hundreds of subscribers per day for like a week all because of this video. And I thought, wow, that was really interesting. So um, I'm trying to find, I'm trying to find that again. Um, and, uh, but you know, I really, I really do. Um, I really take people think, oh, well, you're a troll. Your name is, I got, I can understand how they might think, oh, well, this guy, you know, he's, his name is literally Barry McCocken or how serious can he be? But, you know, I take, I take a lot of the stuff I do on YouTube seriously in terms of finding actual clips in terms of giving analysis and stats. And, and I think that if people really, you know, gave and sat down and watched my videos, I think they'd be surprised. They'd be like, oh, wow, this guy actually kind of knows what he's talking about besides just, uh, you know, the name and the trolling and all the marijuana overdose jokes, you know? Yeah. And look, like your hatred for Tom Brady, just for an example, and we'll talk about him in a few specifically, but like even your videos, yeah, you hate Tom Brady, but there's a lot of facts in there too. It's not oh, yeah, like you're you just see the the uh, the you know the, the Brady fans, the Brady tards, as I call them. They 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 yeah. just, they they are dedicated, man. I tell you, they literally will flock to defend Tom's honor 
on any video. Like they will downvote the shit out of any video about Tom Brady that isn't, uh, you know, basically calling on the second coming of Christ. And it's really, that's, that's <laughs> what I, I mean, really, no, really though. It's like, they are really, really dead. It's the, them and, uh, and Jordan fans as well. You know, those, like they are really, really dedicated to, uh, to defending Tom Brady's honor, which is, which is ironic because, you know, Brady wouldn't piss on them if, if they were on fire, but you know, it's just, uh, yeah, but that, that, but we, we already knew that we already knew that, but, um, yeah, but I think, in all honesty, I think moving forward, um, I want to try to to do a little bit less Brady related content because I feel like, uh, you know, I feel like people are like people who follow me, are like, yeah, oh, we get the point, you know. So at, at least, at least uh, for a little while, I wanna I wanna start to do look into other topics. I wanna I my next YouTube video is I wanna look at similar be be it similar to my Aaron Rodgers video where I look at why the saints didn't win more titles with Drew Brees. And maybe I'll do another one about why Dan Marino never won a ring. Like, so there's, there's other topics yeah. that I'm interested in that I feel like I could uh, really, really make some good videos. I think people would enjoy. Agreed a hundred percent. And again, everyone check out the YouTube channel because there is a lot of Tom Brady stuff, but there's also a lot of stuff. And again, even the Tom Brady stuff is it's not just pure hatred with no merit and no, and, and nothing based on it too. So yeah, I would definitely suggest checking it out. And I like what you said too, a, a few minutes ago, at least some people, you know, you might be perceived as just this Twitter troll who fucks around all the time, pretending he's Adam Schefter and Ian Rappaport, which you do. And that's fun. And that's funny, yeah. <laughs> but you do have, I mean, the reason why I wanted to get you on my show to begin with of over a year or almost a year ago now was because, I sift through a lot of those tweets, man, and a lot of stuff that you would talk about, whether it was LeBron, you think LeBron being better than Jordan, or Tom Brady being overrated, stuff like that. You had a lot of facts. You know what I mean? Like, I could see yeah. a lot, like, on NFL Football Sundays, man, you'd be dropping some fucking, uh, some knowledge. So, I, I yep. could tell that right away, and I've listened to your podcast, and in between, again, in between some jokes, I mean, it's not like you're Andrew Dice Clay up there making a podcast. I mean, you make jokes and stuff like that, but there's a lot of actual yeah. legitimate sports content, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the show again, because let's turn our attention to some football. Uh, yep. And I want to start, of course, more specifically with the Buffalo Bills. I mean, this is primarily a, a Buffalo podcast, but let me ask you this. So how surprised were you to see the Bills make it all the way to the AFC Championship in 2020? Because again, I had you on in July of last year, and that was during the summer of the offseason. The Bills then made the playoffs the year before, but they lost to Houston in the first round. They kind of gagged. They had a 16-0 lead, and they blew it. But anyway, you look at the Buffalo Bills last summer going into this season. How surprised were you to see them end up where they did? Because they went from just another team in the in the conference to being one of the best. Well, I think their ascension is directly tied to Josh Allen's improvement uh, because it really – just just to tie it back to the not specifically Tom Brady, but just to just to the way the way fans think like you would be it, it's it's really, really annoying how many fans think, uh, you know, a great offense helps you know, like how how good a defense is or how good uh, a team is or defenses is, is dependent entirely on their offense. And I'm like, well, if you want to just disprove that, I mean, they're they're there are countless examples to disprove that. But if, uh, the most recent example is you look at the bills these last two years, 
You look at 2019, the Bills had one of the best defenses in the league, and their offense was one of the worst. And then you go back to last year, their offense was one of the best in the league, and their defense was was one of the worst. So it, it was the Bills, along with um, you know the Packers, probably had the most surprising uh, season because like like Josh Allen had one of the most unexpected improvements of really any quarterback in in recent memory. Um, you know, the guy was was the, obviously the physical tools were always there to be elite, but uh, for his first two seasons, he was always a guy who just was kind of like a chicken with his head cut off. He was just always running around. He didn't always see, never, he never really seemed too comfortable watching him. But then you look last year and he just seemed like so much more in control, so much more calm, making throws when he needed to. Uh, and it was like this, and you, this was like, all right, this is why this guy went so high because this is the trade-off for when you when you take a guy that has elite physical tools when he has elite traits like this is the best case scenario uh and so i mean the bills being 13, 13 and 3 really in my opinion is is directly a result of Josh Allen becoming at least last year i mean he still has to prove that it's not a fluke but uh last year he was one of the best quarterbacks in the league and when you get great quarterback play you're obviously going to have a chance to to win every sunday uh, and 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 ironically enough, I mean, the Bills were what you know they they were a hail mary away from being fourteen and two, and yeah. they were a play or two away from beating the Chiefs, uh, and so they were really you know a handful of plays away from being fifteen and one, which is really incredible to think about. But I, I will say, you know, it is just it is so fucking fitting that the moment Tom Brady leaves AFC East, the AFC East finally gets a good fucking quarterback on one of the three other teams besides <laughs> the Patriots. Like, I mean, like, the, I remember watching the the game, uh, the Bills game, as the, it was the Monday night game on uh, at New England late in the year, and you got you got Josh Allen out there, you know, looking like Patrick Mahomes, and he's doing all this superhuman shit. And I'm just sitting there like, where the fuck was this last year? Like, we're like, you couldn't have done this last year when Brady was still there? Come on, you know what I mean? But it, but it was so, it was just, it, it was nice to watch. You know, it's, it's great because finally – the AFC East has an exciting, talented quarterback for the first time since Dan Marino. And that's really, uh, I think, I, I mean, I think that that was such, that was, ironically enough, one of the best parts of last season was watching Josh Allen um, really realize his potential. Uh, and I think that, uh, I mean, they, they, they're bringing back Brian Dabble, or Dabble, whatever his name is, the offensive coordinator. Dable, yeah. Dable, Dable, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, he, he has a good rapport with, with Allen. So I wouldn't expect uh, I, I wouldn't expect a huge drop off. I mean, I, I, I'll i be, you know, hand to God. I, I don't think that uh, – I don't know if Allen will be as good next year as he was in 2020, but, I mean, I, I wouldn't expect some, some huge drop off. So I think as long as they have – as long as Josh Allen's there – um, and playing anywhere close that he was to in 2020, then I think that the Bills are really going to be a uh, a contender uh, for for years to come. I mean, and and this kind of the the, the big uh, the big building block, I guess you could say, is obviously Mahomes, and you got Mahomes is is in the same conference. So, and, and in the AFC Championship game, I mean, the Bills looked outclassed, to be honest. 
Uh, they did. Yeah. They, they looked outclassed and, and, you know, Mahomes was Mahomes and, and, and to, so to me, it's like, all right, well, what is the ceiling for this Buffalo team? Like, is it, is it possible for the bills to somehow go farther in the playoffs than they did in 2020 or was 2020 just one of those years where everything went right and it's not sustainable. I mean, we'll have- we're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Have to see, but um, I think as... I, I I mean, it's hard to see the Bills really winning or, or going to a Super Bowl. Now, anything can happen, obviously. But, I mean, you know, having a guy like Mahomes in the same conference as you is really, really a big – is really a big uh, problem in terms of if you want to, you know, see, go, see success go into February. Um, but, I mean, McDermott seems to know what he's doing. Um, and, and so this is – it's it's – it's kind of it's seems like it could be going back to the days of you know the K gun in the early '90s when the Bills were you know one of the best teams in the league. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. I have been fed, that's a fact. I have been fed, that's a fact. My credit card purchases get me cash back. My credit card purchases get me cash back. No one else gets these rewards. Sergeant, that is just plain untrue. What in tarnation? Sir, PenFed's PowerCash Rewards Card isn't just for military members. Anyone can get cash back on all purchases. Ah, friggins! You've ruined my favorite song. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash PowerCash. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. I'll tell you what scares me about the Buffalo Bills as a Bills fan and what does and if not should scare Bills fans is this. They're they're a good team. I think I don't know if they're going to be a 13 and 3 team every year for the next 5 6 years. Yeah, that, that's but I think they're one of the right. They're one of the better teams in the conference, but what I'm concerned about is because you just talked about the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. They're the cream of the crop in the AFC right now at least anyway, and I don't think there's any um, debate about that. I'm concerned that the Buffalo Bills might be, I know you're an NBA guy, the 1990s. Remember, and I'm talking about not the two years or a year and a half that Jordan took off, 
But like the New York Knicks were good in the nineties, but they can they, they could never beat the Bulls. Yeah, they only got to the NBA Finals, like I said, uh, when Jordan wasn't there. But my point being is, I'm concerned that that's what the Buffalo Bills might be right now. They they might be the clear cut second best team in the conference for the next handful of years and never even see a Super Bowl. At least the Bills team, you know, the Bills take a lot of shit from, especially you know, younger fans who don't really know as much for losing four straight Super Bowls. But they were the class of yeah. AFC for four straight years, man. I don't know that this team is there yet. I I do think it's possible they can get there. One thing I like about Josh Allen too is I think that this team is built for success. It what what is sustainable? And you just said on it, Brian Dable. It's his third season with Josh Allen. The offensive line is entirely intact. They got yep. good weapons. Stephon Diggs. I mean, yep. dude, what a what a revelation he can turn out to be for the Bills last year. It's mm-hmm. just crazy because Barry, when we talked last summer, I didn't even bother asking you like. If I would have said, what's Josh Allen's ceiling, you probably would have said, in fact, if I go back and listen to the whole thing, you probably did say that he could develop into, you know, a good starting quarterback. I don't think you, I, or anyone else would have said he's going to finish second in the NFL MVP balloting behind only Aaron Rodgers. So, yeah, that yeah. that really blows me away. Like, do you like what the Bills are doing, the way they're building? Because, again, like this offseason, at least so far anyway, it's been about re-signing their own guys. They re-signed Matt Milano and, the right tackle, Darrell Williams, and the guard, Feliciano, uh, Micah Hyde, they gave an extension to. The only significant, well, there's two guys that I want to talk to you specifically about, but the only real significant change is John Brown is out at receiver and Emmanuel Sanders is in. You look at the Bills, one through four wide receivers, Barry. So you got Diggs, you got Sanders, you got Cole Beasley, and you got Gabriel Davis, who was good as a rookie last year. I mean, that's one of the better receiving units in the league, isn't it? Yeah, I mean the the Bills. I mean they're a very very good team, but as, as we said, I mean, and and really the AFC has been this way for the last two decades, where the the NFC has been the conference that has had so much more parity, where it seems like every year there's a new team coming out of the NFC to go to the Super Bowl, whereas in the AFC it was always Brady or Peyton or Ben Roethlisberger. I mean there was there was the fluky Flacco year in there, but. Really, there was only for like two decades, there was only like four quarterbacks that would win the AFC. And, yeah. you know, Mahomes is probably that next guy where it's like, I mean, he's really, if you look at it, he's one historic level brain fart from D Ford away from going to three straight Super Bowls. So he's, uh, you know, Mahomes is, 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 as long as Mahomes is in Kansas City, I think Kansas City is always going to be uh, the prohibitive favorite. But I think that, uh, like, like with any team, I think that how, however long uh, this Bills stretch of success lasts is going to depend on how well they draft uh, in, in the upcoming years. I mean, because and that's really, I mean, the the, the big that that's how it is for every team. I mean, look at it. I mean, they drafted Josh Allen, and that's they drafted the biggest. You know, that's the centerpiece. The quarterback is the centerpiece. They hit on the quarterback draft pick. Uh, and they've made some good decisions in terms of free agency with Stefan Diggs, obviously. So the reason for the turnaround is because in this this last you know three to four year window, they've really hit on their picks like Tredavious White's another one and Tremaine Edwards. I mean, so they've made some really, really good picks along with some free agency decisions. Emmanuel Sanders is another new one that is a really solid signing. Um, but I kind of look at it, you could also look at it like you know, it, if you think back to the early uh, 2010 Seattle Seahawks teams, uh, 
Uh, you think about how you know the, those teams for that you know three to four year window from 2012 to 2015 ish were really where they were real competitors because they hit on the quarterback draft pick with Russell Wilson, although he was a third round pick, not like, you know, he wasn't a top pick like Allen was, but, and they had some that, you know, they had the Legion of boom. They hit on all these defensive picks, but you look at, right. Why didn't that, that run of theirs last longer? It's because eventually, you know, the, the front office stopped hitting on the draft picks and they kind of slowly, but surely they kind of became, okay, Russell just go and bail us out. So if you're the Bills, I think you know you're happy that you have Allen, but you know you don't want to become like the Seahawks with Wilson or kind of like the Packers with Rodgers, where you're kind of asking the one guy, "Hey, you know, we need you to kind of cover up the rest of our flaws." And ironically enough, you could if you look at the Chiefs, even if you look at their, and I po- I tweeted this the other day, like if you look at the Chiefs draft picks since 2017 when besides Mahomes there's really not a lot there like a lot of their big players you know Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey um like those were they were drafted before Mahomes so Mahomes like you're starting to even see with the Chiefs like you know they they kind of haven't they've had a really really you know mediocre at best drafts these last few years and you might not recognize that right away but you know as as time goes on you know, it's the, the 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 warts become more apparent. So I think right now, if you're a Bills fan, I think that you should be happy that, you know, recently they've been hitting on their draft picks. They made some great free agent signings. Uh, but, I mean, this is, you know, the biggest mistake you can make, I think, is is to assume that, uh, oh, we're going to have, you know, we could have a run like uh, the Patriots. You know, because the Patriots, their run, their, like their 18, 19-year run, that was – that was a perfect storm that I don't think that's ever going to be duplicated again. Like if you're, if you're a truly elite team, I think that you really have nowadays, depending on how good your quarterback is like Mahomes is another Mahomes is another outlier. Um, but like if, if you're a guy like Allen, I think the bills title window is really the next three or four years, at least from what we can tell. And, and it really depends how long that title window lasts really depends on, the upcoming drafts for the bills and see if they can keep reloading with good players. Um, but I, I think that, I think the bills, I mean, this is the bills title window right now. I think, I think because, you know, like I said, they've hit on, they've hit on their draft picks and they've made some really great free agency signings. So they really have to strike right now while the iron's hot. When you say, when you talk about new England having the perfect storm for almost two decades, literally that's what it was because one of the great things that, New England had going for them was the division they were playing in. Very yeah. little resistance. I, I mean, the Bills just flat out stunk for 17 years. Oh, yeah. And the Jets of Miami stunk at various times, or a lot of that too. So you basically, New England was getting handled, handed a, a divisional title at worst every year. And, yeah. you know, if they played six games in a division, five of them were pretty much uh, cakewalks every year. To your point, and I agree 100% when, uh, with your assessment of the Buffalo Bills right now. If your if your philosophy is going to be we're not going to go out anymore, we've built our team. We're not going to go out and spend big money on big name free agents right now, long term deals. We're going to keep our core. We're going to keep resigning and, re- and paying our core, and you're going to put your money there. Then yeah, you got to draft well. I mean, going back with the bills, like well, well, if, Bowl, I yeah. say, if I could say ahead. something, that's really that's been the issue with the Packers in the Aaron Rodgers era is that people are like 
you have this godlike talent at, at the most important position, and yet you're content with kind of just, you know, you're like not going all in. Whereas, and I think that's why with with I know with Packers fans and Packers Twitter, that's why a lot of people are pissed about, you know, the Jordan Love pick. It's because, like, all right, we, we were like maybe you know, one player away from going to the Super Bowl last year. Like Jordan Love didn't do shit in the NFC Championship game. Instead of, you know, having this this third string quarterback that we wasted our first round pick on, we might, you know, we might have drafted an offensive lineman or a wide receiver who might have helped us beat Tampa Bay. So I think yeah. if 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 you're Buffalo, um, you know, I'm not obviously Josh Allen isn't on Aaron Rodgers' level yet, and he probably won't be because Aaron Rodgers is you know, one of the in my in my in my opinion, Rogers is the best quarterback of all time. I know that's a little controversial, but you know, he, Josh Allen's not a first battle Hall of Famer yet. I think that even the most right. diehard Bills, I think even the most diehard Bills fans would agree with me there. Sure. But, um, but I think if if you're the Bill, like I think if you're the Bills, I think that you know the the Rogers era Packers and the Wilson era Seahawks are really uh, people are really teams that you you don't want to. Like if, if you are going to like, cause you know, that's the thing is that teams are always looking for a franchise quarterback, but you don't really hear a lot about how once a team gets a franchise quarterback, it's like, okay, you had the franchise quarterback. Now the responsibility is for you to build around them. And I, I, so far, I think the bills have done a really good job with building around Allen. And I don't think it's a coincidence that, you know, he had his best season once they went out and got Stefan Diggs and they gave him a slot guy like Cole Beasley, uh, you know, and, and, and things like that. But I do think that, you know, if you're, if you're the bills, I think you have to look, if you're the bills front office, I think you have to look at, you know, what the Packers front office did during Rogers's uh, during Rogers's prime years. And you look at the Seahawks and how they kind of slowly went from being one of the NFC's elite to being a good team but relying too heavily on their franchise quarterback. I think that you can, I think Buffalo can really take some lessons from those two situations and say, you know what, maybe we don't, maybe we shouldn't be as conservative as the Packers were with Rodgers. And we got to make sure that we hit on our draft picks, unlike the Seahawks. So, you know, we, so we don't end up becoming just a one man band, similar to what the Seahawks were with Russ. So we don't end up becoming a one man band with Allen. Um, now, but I mean, but that's kind of the beauty, the beauty of sports is that, at least in the draft, it's like it's it's easy to say, oh, just don't miss on draft picks. But I mean, the draft is, is a crapshoot, like so you never know for sure uh, when it comes to the draft. But I, I think, yeah, I think that uh, I think I think right now the Bills are in a very very good spot. I think because also you look at their division, like we talked about how for two decades, uh, you know, the AFC East was dog shit. I mean, the Bills were trotting out, you know, JP Lawsman and and. There was the Derek Anderson, Trent stuff. Edwards, Trent yeah. Edwards, and there was Alex Van Pelt and uh, um, you know Ryan Fitzpatrick. So, like you know, but you look you look at the other teams in the AFC East. I mean, Miami, Miami is is probably the biggest threat. And then well, New England, New England made some free agent signings, but right now in the AFC East, there isn't another like Buffalo has the best quarterback in the AFC East for the first time, at least before last year since Jim Kelly. Uh, well, no, yeah. actually, no. Well, let I me mean, to be honest. Dan Marino was better than Jim Kelly, but um, like the the Buffalo Bills for the first time, really in in quite some time, had the best quarterback in their division, and that's always uh, you know barring some some 
miracle uh, Deshaun Watson trade, which in light of recent events, I don't think is going to happen. But, uh, you know, but as long as the Bills have the best quarterback in the division, I think that they're, they're going to be in good shape. Um, but I, like I said before, I think right now the Bills, the Bills title window is right now, right? It's the next two or three years is, is their shot at capitalizing on, uh, on the great drafting and the great free agent signings they've made. Yeah, they're right there right now. And to your point, if they want to be sustainable for more than just a year or two, drafting will be a big part of it. You know, a different time, different era, but even back in the day when the Buffalo Bills during their, you know, their glory days when they made four straight Super Bowls, sure, Bruce Smith was a no-brainer top overall pick and Jim Kelly, you know, quarterback, that's a semi-obvious pick. Darryl yeah, Talley. but that's what I'm saying. Yeah, Daryl yeah. Talley. And they Andre drafted yeah. Andre Reid in the fourth round and Thurman Thomas in the second round a bunch of offensive linemen, all various parts of the draft. So yeah, they yeah. really hit on a lot of drafts. That's what makes it sustainable. And also to your point, cause this is going to segue to a question that I got for you. You spoke of Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson, and those are transcending elite quarterbacks. Some of the best to ever play in the NFL. And maybe if those teams did build uh, around them a little bit better, certainly the Packers last year, I mean, I'll never understand why they took a quarterback in the first round and a running back in the second round when they already had Aaron Jones and Jamal yeah. Williams. But anyway, that's neither here nor, th nor there. My point is this. Those teams didn't really surround the quarterback the best they could. Mitch Trubisky, just signed with the Buffalo Bills one year, yeah. um, you know, uh, two, I think only $2.5 One year, he's going to be the backup to Josh Allen. Let me preface this by saying, in an ideal world, he ain't going to see a snap for the Buffalo Bills this season. But that said, what do you think of that signing? And kind of to that point, do you think he is a bust? Do you think he's not a good quarterback, or do you think to some extent, like Chicago, they traded up, they get him at number two, and other than Allen Robinson, man, they never really fitted him with anybody who was that, all that good. So, like, what's your take on Mitch Trubisky? Well, I don't, I, I think, first of all, I, I need to point out that Mitch Trubisky has a higher career playoff passer rating than Tom Brady. I wanted to point that out because I think that's hilarious. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I think, you know, Mitch is a guy who, he he's kind of like Sam Bowie, where he's always going to be compared to oh they drafted him ahead of Mahomes and like you know and again it, depending on what happens with these allegations it's going to be like oh well he was drafted ahead of Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes uh, and that's that was always with him with with the Bears and but I mean you look at the Bears it's like the Bears haven't had a, a good quarterback since you know like maybe a half season of Jim McMahon in the in the mid eighties you know like they haven't yeah. had. Like they, they, the Bears have never had a certified good quarterback since the 1940s. So, I mean, you know, Mitch Trubisky, I, I don't think he's, I don't, do I think he's good? No. But do I think, I, I don't think he is, I think he's a guy, and he's shown this where if, if Allen were to go down, I think he's a guy who he could be a, he could be a competent, you know, he could be a competent fill in for three or four games. I mean, he's capable of having, some really good three to four game stretches, you know, but, but I mean, being, being great quarterback is hard to do. I mean, that's why, that's why there aren't many great quarterbacks. So uh, Mitch is a guy, I think, you know, he's a good athlete, um, but I, I just think he was, I think he, his decision-making is just, is, is very inconsistent, but I think that he's a guy who, if Allen were to miss, you know, one or two games or two or three games with an injury or something like that, then I think that Mitch could could fill in and be solid. 
because he's shown that, you know, if you give him a great defense like he had with the Bears in 2018, that, you know, he can do a decent job of giving you wins. Like, but uh, if you say, hey, Mitch, go win us this game, then, uh, yeah, you're going to be in deep shit. But I think for I think that there are there are plenty worse backup quarterback options than Mitch Trubisky. So I, I, I don't mind the signing at all. I agree. And I also look at it this way too. And I'm not being a homer here. Trust me, but worst case, Mr. Bisky is at least better than Matt Barkley. You know, if yeah. Josh Allen goes down and Matt Barkley is your quarterback for a month or six weeks, that's a wrap. You know, the season yeah. season's over. Mr. Bisky, if Josh Allen goes down four to six weeks, God forbid, he can win you some games. You know, he doesn't have to be phenomenal, but he's at least better than Matt Barkley. I want to say on quarterbacks here, I'm going to skip over New England because Frankly, there's not a lot to discuss. They signed a bunch of players, and it's going to come down to if Cam Newton is, is soon he's started this year that he's that he doesn't suck. If he doesn't suck, they'll be competitive. I got to say this: Cam Cam Newton sucks. He sucks. He stinks. He 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 is completely burned. Like he is, and I'm kind of mad at him because he ruined one of my agendas, which is that you know, which is uh, you know the Patriots can can plug in like any average quarterback and still win a lot of games. And Cam Newton was so horrible. Like, he literally can't throw. He literally can't, he literally can't throw. Like, every single throw he makes, like, if you just watch him physically throw the ball, it looks painful. Like, his wind-up motion, it's just so – it's gross. And he just is so far removed from the guy in his prime years in Carolina as passer, you know, when he won MVP. It's just – he's just – he's completely cooked. So – that's why, you know, people were all over the Patriots and all their free agent signings. And for me, I was like, as long as they're starting Cam Newton at quarterback, I mean, that, that, there's a reason why the Patriots ran the ball more than any other team in the league last year. It's because Bill Belichick and the, the coaching staff there knew that Cam Newton sucks. That's why they didn't throw the ball very often. So I wouldn't be surprised if New England uh, traded up for a quarterback in the draft. But continue. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, I'm glad you said that because I listen. I'm completely in agreement with you. Like, sure, you could go out and get two really good tight ends, and they did. And Kendrick Bourne and Nelson Aguilar. You could. Who's going to throw him the football? I agree with you. He cannot throw the football. Maybe they're going to try to be like, I don't know, like the two, like the 2000 Ravens, and they could just run yeah. the ball to death and play killer defense, and maybe well, he can throw also, ten yard passes at a tight end. That's about it. It's also an indictment on uh, Jared Stidham because it's like if. Like they must really think that Jared Stidham sucks ass if they're willing to go with you know completely washed up Cam Newton over him two years in a row. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but ironically enough, like the Patriots, even despite you know Cam Newton being terrible, they were you know one or two plays away from being a winning team last year. So that kind of just speaks to how good Belichick is as a coach. But uh, yeah, I think if you're a Bills fan, as long as as long as they're starting Cam Newton, I don't think your Bills fans have anything to worry about. I agree 100%. The other two teams in the division, now Miami was pretty good last year. They almost made the playoffs, which is funny yeah. because the Buffalo Bills played them twice. And I mean, Josh Allen just toyed with them. He had his, it was funny watching them play against Buffalo because they were horrible. But against the rest of the league, they were pretty good. And they had some talent. Will Fuller, if he could ever stay healthy for a year. You know, they got him. They, Malcolm Brown's a pretty decent tight end. And then the Jets, yeah, they stink. But I think Adam Gase had at least something to do with that and just a lack of talent. But they, Corey Davis, they went out and got a good, decent wide receiver. Carl Lawson's a really good defensive end. But anyway, I don't want to talk about those guys. Here's what I want to ask you. So you got two situations right now, Miami and the Jets. Um, let's start with Miami, all right? So 
You got Tua. He's only played for one year. A lot of fans, a lot of people are already down on him. Do you? Th if you're Miami right now, Barry, and you're running this organization, you pick. You got the third pick, and you also have the 18th pick of the draft. I would have said in Deshaun Watson, and it still could happen, but I don't know. We're taping this Monday, and I just saw on Twitter that a 12th person filed lawsuits. There's, there's got to be. There's too much smoke to not be any fire when it comes to that, and I think that might at least scare some teams off right now. But anyway, so if you're you're Miami, and let's just assume Deshaun Watson's out, although he's not out on that. Let's assume that. And you got to, uh, but you also had the third pick of the draft. You got to say to yourself, we're a pretty good football team. I don't know when I'm going to get a top five pick again. And you got a chance to get a top three quarterback again. Like if you're Miami right now, are you, did you see enough out of Tua that you feel good going for him or going forward with him at least for the time being? Because again, if we had this conversation of after Josh Allen's rookie year, Josh Allen kind of sucked as a rookie, you know, and you said the Bills would have had the third pick and a chance to get a top three quarterback in the draft again. Like, what do you think Miami's could do here? Because again, they could take a quarterback at three. They still got three picks in the top 50 besides that, including another first rounder. What do you think they're thinking right now? Well, obviously, I don't think Brian Flores is a, is a big fan of Tua, or at least not as big of a fan as a, as a guy who who's picked fifth overall should be um, because, you know, he was, he benched to us several times for Ryan Fitzpatrick, but uh, I gotta be, I was never really high on Tua even in college. To me, he was a guy who, you know, in Alabama, you know, he basically was in the absolute perfect situation. You know, it always seemed like he had why he always seemed like his receivers, you know, he played on such incredibly talented teams on, on Alabama and he, it wasn't like he had any elite physical skills either, you know, and that, that was the difference I think between him and Josh Allen was even when Josh Allen was struggling his first two years, you know, you still, the upside was still there of like, if this guy ever, if it ever, if the light bulb ever goes off mentally, like this guy's going to be a problem uh, with Tua. It's like, where is the wow factor? Like where is the X-Men ability that he has? Like he doesn't have a strong arm. He's, he's, He's mobile, but he's not, you know, no one's going to mistake him for a Lamar Jackson or a Michael Vick. You know, he's not durable. So if you look at it like that, it's like, well, you know, is he the guy or not? And, it, it, you know, gun to the head, I, I, I don't think he's the guy. I think that if you're Miami and you have uh, the pick, I mean, they might want to, obviously, I don't think, uh, I don't think Lawrence isn't going to be there. Uh, but, you know, you got guys, I don't know if, if Justin Fields will be there, but I, I think that if I was Miami, I would definitely take a shot at one of the uh, top quarterbacks in this draft and see what they can do. Uh, I know that's not very common to draft a quarterback in the first round in back-to-back -back years, but I just think that if you're Miami, you've had, from what I saw from Tua, I don't, I just don't know where is, how is he going to get better? Like I think to me, Tua is already as good as he's going to be, at least physically. So I, I just don't, I don't think he's the guy. So I would maybe go after Arizona uh, did it a few years ago. They they took Josh Rosen in the top ten and then came back the next year and took Kyler Murray one overall. Yeah. So it, it wouldn't be completely unprecedented. Yeah, I'm yeah. not sold on Tua either. What about the Jets? Because this to me is a little more of a fascinating uh, argument because you've had more of a sample size of Sam Darnold, but again. I think he's one of those quarterbacks who his coach and, 
and the weapons around him and the offensive line has never really done him any favors. So now you're in a situation where you got the second pick. You could get Zach Wilson. Go ahead. I'm I'm out on Sam Darnold. I think that uh, I, I think he stinks. He stinks. I, I I think you know. Look, there there's there's uh I think it's it's possible for a guy to obviously not be and nobody nobody would ever say that he was in a good situation with the Jets. But I mean, the guy uh, he's another he's another one that even in college at USC, I was like I never really understood the hype. I was like, what is what is, why is this guy so highly touted? Because he was a guy who even in college, he would make so many dumb throws. And he's another guy. He didn't have a, a rocket arm. Like he, he, like going back to Josh Allen, like Josh Allen, the physical traits were always there. He always had, you know, elite MVP caliber physical tools that you could potentially mold into an incredible quarterback with Sam right. Darnold and Tua though. Like they don't have those qualities that Josh Allen has. So, and you know, Darnold, he's been there. He's been there three years, um, and I just haven't seen anything from him ever, really, that would indicate that he has the ability to be a franchise quarterback, or especially one uh, that warrants where he was drafted. I mean, the only thing that he has on his side really is his age. I mean, he's really, really young. But I just, I think to me, he's like he could be like another one of those David Carr type quarterbacks where. Nobody would deny that he was drafted into a, a, a bad situation, but he just doesn't have it. He's just he's not the guy. So if I was the Jets picking second overall, I would definitely go for another quarterback. I mean, because the Jets the Jets have some solid pieces. Um, I, I think they're obviously a little ways away from from being a contender not not a contender but being good. Um, but I really like I really like their uh, their tackle that they drafted Beckton. I think he's he yeah. has the potential to be a Hall of Famer. I think he he really is special. Um, so they have a building block on the offensive line there. Um, uh, Marcus May is another solid player. So they have some solid players, at least defensively. Uh, Quinn and Williams finally really showed some flashes last year. So I mean, there are some pieces there for the Jets, but um, you know, Robert Sala, he's not. I think it, it, I'm always a little bit worried whenever a, a new coach gets hired. And, you know, their best quality is their leadership. You know, it's like, I mean, leadership is good, but I, I want a guy who actually, you know, strategically is, is good. Like I want a guy like who knows the X's and O's is able to make adjustments and we have to see, we still have to see what solid it has, but you know, it's always, it's kind of like the rah, rah guys to me, those guys, those types of coaches have a, a shelf life where. Eventually, it's like, okay, it, like you look at a guy like Jim Harbaugh, it's like he was always the really, really loud, rah-rah type of guy. And the 49ers had a ton of success under him, but eventually it kind of gets, you know, it kind of gets drowned out by, uh, you know, like eventually it kind of falls on deaf ears because players get so tired of, of the same, you know, stuff. But, and might be, you know, I might be being too harsh on Sala, but um, he, again, he was, he was a defensive-minded guy. He's a defensive coordinator. I think the Jets... You know, if the Jets want to turn this around, they have to invest more in their offense because, you know, at the end of the day, that's what this league is. The league, especially to nowadays in the NFL, is an offensive geared league, and you're not going to do anything. You can't have any sort of sustained success unless you have a quarterback. And so I think the Jets, they got to go for somebody. I, I, my, my gut says they're going to go for Justin Fields. I think they're going to draft Justin Fields number two. Well, when you go back, even in college, Sam Darnold does turn the ball over a lot. Even 
Yeah. I was just looking it up as you were talking. He had 13 interceptions his senior year in 14 games. You know, these college guys who come in the NFL, big-time prospects, they always have ridiculous stats. It's like, at least in college, like 38 touchdowns and four interceptions, something like that. Yeah, he had 22 interceptions in two years. So he was a turnover machine even back then. And Josh Allen, Josh Allen, again, was, was one of the few uh, exceptions to that because he didn't have great stats at Wyoming. But right. Uh, again, again, Allen is a traits guy. Allen was a traits prospect. He wasn't drafted based off of of his production. He was drafted off of his you know potential. Potential, yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, so and and there I, I'm with you on the Jets trade and Darnold too. I, you got a new coach, new GM. You got an, again. You're not always going to get an opportunity to get one of the top two quarterbacks in the draft without having to trade up and give up anything. It's already there for them to take. So yeah, whether it's Field or or maybe Zach Wilson, maybe get I don't know a couple seconds or something you get for Darnold. I don't know what what value he has, but uh, yeah, man, I, I'm with you on that. So I look, I held off as long as I could with this. I, I got to get your thoughts on Tampa winning the Super Bowl and having even more Tom Brady goat crammed down all of our throats. I mean, look, he, he's a winningest quarterback ever. I mean, that's not a debate. That's not something we can debate or or deny. But he ain't the best quarterback anyway. Seven rings, like you said, the the Brady Tards, the Brady people, never going to shut up, especially now. And the worst part about it is, is this is a team that's really intact, man. And they're they're ready for another run at a repeat. That defense is phenomenal, man. Anyway, your thoughts on Tampa winning the Super Bowl and, and you know stuff like that? Uh, it was it was horrible. It was it was. I don't know. I, I got to be honest. I at this point, like I've become so numb to things going Brady's way that I, I, I can't even like, I, I'm, I was, I upset about it. Yeah. Well, not like upset in terms of like throwing temper tantrums or anything, but I, I likened it on one of my, like the 2020 NFL season, I likened it to game of Thrones in the way that there were so many inc- potentially incredible finishes. Like we could have had, we could have had a, a Josh Allen Rogers Super Bowl. We could have had a Mahomes Rogers Super Bowl. Uh, we could have had a Breeze versus Rogers NFC Championship game. But instead, we were left with watching the same boring, joyless, cancerous blob Tom Brady hold up the Lombardi Trophy at the end of the year after he did essentially next to nothing to earn it, and. I mean, the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl was was really was pretty disgusting in this in the fact that like everything, and we talk about this. I don't even. I'm, I'm, I have so much. I could say so much shit about it that I'm kind of struggling to to figure out like where to even start. But it just it's so typical that in the playoffs, Brady gets the defensive help. He gets you know the the dominant defensive line. He gets the great offensive line. Uh, and that's what happened in the Super Bowl, uh, and 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 in the fourth quarter against the Packers in the NFC Championship game, like the the Buccaneers defense, they held Patrick Mahomes to nine fucking points, nine fucking points. Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, like this is the same Chiefs team that against the Bills a few weeks before the Super Bowl looked like they could have scored sixty if they sure. wanted, and then like so of course like it just it's of course Tom Brady is the guy that benefits from uh, having a defense that just gets a historic l- amount of, of pressures, literally like the most pressures of any quarterback, like Mahomes was pressured 
more than any other quarterback in the history of the Super Bowl uh, in, in Super Bowl 55. And of course, Brady is the guy to benefit from that. You look at, uh, and then you look at the other side, like Brady was only pressured four times. So, and he, Brady completed in the Super Bowl, he completed five passes over five yards in the air. That's it. But like he did literally nothing and he won Super Bowl MVP for doing nothing. And like he threw for 72 air yards, literally 72 yards in the air, like almost 60% of his yards were after the catch. Uh, he had a interception negated by a horrible uh, penalty. It just, it just, it was like, it was really like the, the last season of game of Thrones where there was so many potentially great ways it could have panned out and it just panned out the worst way. I think what was, what was most noticeable throughout the entire postseason was that the, the Bucks defense just continued to give Brady incredible starting field position to the point where I was going and looking up all the numbers and like, I looked at, you know, how many career possessions in the playoffs have certain quarterbacks started on the opponent's side of the field. And Brady, like far and away, like he he has like over 60 different possessions. Like he he averages like a, a possession and a half per game in every playoff game where he starts on the opponent's side of the field. Whereas the other quarterbacks like, you know, Breeze and Rodgers and Peyton, they're they're not even at at one of those per game. So like every single thing that it just seemed like every single thing that could have gone Brady's way went Brady's way again. And now because of it, we have to hear about how he's the second coming of Christ. I mean, to be honest, like in, in the NFC championship game, Brady threw three fucking interceptions in the second half and he got bailed out by his defense, just completely just destroying the Packers offensive line uh, and getting to Rogers. And literally after the game, we just had to listen to the, just un- unbearable ball washing about how you know, like Brady's just the best player in sports history. He just got done throwing three interceptions. What the fuck are we talking about here? And then again, it's against, against the saints the week before that. It's like the Buccaneers literally had three touchdown drives. One of them was three yards. The other one was 20 yards. And the third was 40 yards. So literally they had three touchdown drives all set up from turnovers and just extremely short drives. Like if you made Brady do anything remotely difficult, he 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 can't do it. He didn't do it. Like he had everything handed to him on a silver platter once again. And it was extremely frustrating because there are so many incredibly great and talented quarterbacks in the league right now. And yet we still have to listen and watch this untalented, overrated, government loan-taking fraud who makes out with kids just completely like just, just get every break imaginable, every break imaginable. <laughs> and it's been that way. It was, it was so, it was so blatant in, in this postseason that I was literally calling shit out before it would happen. Like I literally in the NFC championship game, right before Rogers threw that interception, I was like, I guarantee you right now, something, some, some fluky shit is going to happen right now to benefit Brady. And of course, on the very next play, Rodgers throws an interception. That was a blatant holding. It should have been a defensive pass interference penalty. And then what happens a few plays later, Brady throws the touchdown to Scotty Miller because of fucking that scrub Kevin King, who, who shouldn't be allowed back in Wisconsin. But and, and the thing that the thing that kills me about Brady is is like I could uh, it, it's one thing to dislike a person 
and his fan base. And obviously everybody who knows me knows I hate Brady and his fan base. It's another thing if like if the guy is really good, if he's actually really talented and legit, and you just kind of have to tip your cap and say, you know what, he's the best. But I, I I've never like I have zero respect for Tom Brady's ability. I just I just Every single thing, and I know it sounds crazy because of all he's accomplished and all the numbers he's put up. I understand it sounds crazy. You're like, oh, this guy's an idiot. But, like, literally every single – you look back throughout his entire career, you, there's always some freak occurrence or some weird shit that happens to help him get to the final point where he wins. And this past year, it was like you look at the Scotty Miller play and – you look back a few plays before that, he threw up an absolutely terrible duck that should have been intercepted. And the Packers defensive back just let it go right through his hands. It's it's shit like that where it's like he will he always gets second and third chances where his his quote unquote greatness is so much more based on his opponents doing stupid shit or his teammates setting him up in great situations as opposed to him just being incredible or doing incredible shit. Like you look at the tuck rule, you look at D Ford, you look at Marlon McCree fumbling a ball back to him. You look at um, the fact that he put up 13 points in the Super Bowl twice and won. He's the only quarterback in NFL history to win a Super Bowl, leading his offense to 13 points or fewer. And he's done it twice. So, uh, and then you look at, you know, Malcolm Butler, the interception, like all these freakish occurrences that never happened for really any other quarterback always seemed to happen to this motherfucker. And it just pisses me off because it it makes me, it makes me sound crazy. People are always like, you mean to tell me that you think that seven Super Bowls and 10 Super Bowl appearances is all luck. Yeah. It's like, yeah, (laughs) like I can literally go back and show you. I, there's literally evidence. Like it literally happened on the field where I can literally show you and point to the actual video evidence and all this shit adds up like one or two things. It may not seem like a lot, but you look at all this shit. Like he's won, he's won multiple conference championship games where he's thrown three interceptions. He has a better playoff record in games where he throws three interceptions than Aaron Rodgers does in games where he throws three touchdowns. Like all these like fluky shit. Oh, it, like it really does benefit Tom Brady in a way that no other athlete, especially in NFL history, but in sports history in general, like no other athlete has been so consistently mediocre in the postseason and yet had such team success and gotten credit for all of his team success the way Tom Brady has. And I guess a way to sum it up is, uh, again, I try not to ramble on as much. I could ramble on for hours. I really could. (laughs) Um, but uh, the way I look at it is like if you think about the goats of every other sport and you think of every other major sport, you think about basketball, you got Jordan, you got LeBron in hockey, you got Gretzky. Uh, and ba- baseball is a little bit tougher because the, the postseason, you know, there's not as much of a sample size. But just for argument's sure. sake, you know, if, if, you, if you asked a bunch of baseball historians who the best player of all time is, they'd probably say Babe Ruth. Uh, I, I personally, I think it's Barry Bonds, but I think, I think, you know, because of the, the steroid shit, I think that people would say Babe Ruth is the goat still. Sure. Probably. Uh, yeah. But you look at, you look at LeBron, you look at Jordan, you look at Gretzky, you look at Ruth, you look at what they did in the playoffs. All of them are like Gretzky is first all time in points per game. 
Jordan is first all time in points per game. He's first in player efficiency rating. LeBron is, you know, top three in player efficiency rating. Uh, Babe Ruth is like, has one of the best OPSs in postseason history, like one of the top five or six best. Like all these guys were unbelievable in terms of both their sample size and their efficiency come playoff time. And then you look at Brady. And he's not even top 10 in any efficiency metric in playoff history. Not, not like he's, he basically, he's not top 10 in anything. I have a picture here uh, that basically goes into detail about uh, trying to find it. So I don't trying to see here. I know it's, yeah, he is all his Tom Brady's all time playoff rankings among qualified quarterbacks. He's 12th in interception percentage. He's 13th in completion percentage. He's 13th in adjusted net yards per attempt. He's 15th in passer rating. He's 24th in adjusted yards per attempt. He's 25th in touchdown percentage. He's 26th in net yards per attempt. He's 39th in yards per attempt. Like this is this is a guy who has seen just unprecedented amounts of success. He's he's had so much more success than any other quarterback that's ever played, and yet his individual production is so mediocre, what does that say? Like, How can anybody come to the conclusion that this guy isn't anything but overrated? When, like, it, To me, if you're a quarterback, if you've, if you've won seven Super Bowls and you've made ten Super Bowls, I expect you to have absolute ungodly playoff numbers. Like, I expect you to be far and away or, or at least at the very worst, like because of I know sample size can come into play here. So, but at the very least, like if you've had as much success as Brady's had in the in the postseason, like I expect you to be one of the best, you know, players uh, in terms of on a per throw basis ever. And this he just he isn't. He's not like he's not even close. So I, I just think that it really is a shame that. This this guy who is is untalented, he's joyless. He really is. He and his fans are really a cancer and a stain on the sport of football. And I, you know, he's a guy who he went to bat for an accused rapist, uh, in, Antonio Brown. Uh, he takes government loans during pandemics to buy yachts. Uh, he leaves. He gets women pregnant and then leaves them for supermodels. This guy is just he just has nothing good to offer. He has no redeeming qualities. He is a guy who, you know, his style of play is just so ridiculously boring. He doesn't add anything to the game. I, I just don't know what would make anybody want to root for this guy. I really don't. And, and I think that if you root for Tom Brady, I think it says a lot about you as a person, and it's not good. That's just my opinion of it. Uh, but I just think that this guy, he's just had everything go his way his entire career. And he hasn't earned like he doesn't he's not even close, in my opinion, to being the greatest of all time. And when you look at Tampa Bay, you know, I mean, the, the Tampa Bay has the, the probably the, one of the most annoying things here is that the, the narrative of, oh, well, you know, Tom Brady went to Tampa Bay and he single handedly turned their culture around. It's like no, Tampa Bay won because they have a shitload of talent. All right. The Buccaneers won because they have probably the best roster in the league okay and, and I, I talked about this in my most recent youtube video like oh well they went seven and nine the year before with Jameis winston yeah they went seven and nine and were a few plays away from winning double digit games despite the fact that their quarterback threw 
a historic amount of interceptions. Literally, the only thing that the Buccaneers needed in order to really become contenders was a guy who didn't throw 30 interceptions in a season. And Brady was able to do that. But it's like, you're going to tell me that this guy is the best quarterback of all time because he doesn't throw 30 interceptions in a season? Give me a fucking break. The whole thing is just ridiculous. And it's just so, it's so typical for a scumbag like Brady to benefit from you know short fields and his defense setting him up and dropped interceptions. I mean, he had at least four dropped interceptions or negated interceptions in the playoffs that would have made his stats look so much worse. I mean, he's just he is terrible, and and the league is going to be so much better when him and his fans finally fuck off for good. And I I just you know I think I'll I'll leave it there. But the guys, he's just <laughs> he's he's just terrible. He really is. He's terrible, and he's if you make him do like if. If defenses make him do anything remotely difficult, he sucks. He, if you get any sort of pressure on the guy, he sucks. He's just, he just completely. There's nothing. There's no redeeming qualities there. So the guy sucks, in my opinion. I think he stinks. So uh, that's all I got to say. Uh, I think that, I think that it's gonna be, it's gonna be a great day when uh, he finally retires to to become a full time junk science promoter with his buddy Alex Guerrero there who literally has been sued multiple times for fraud and once tried to pass off sugar pills as a cure for cancer and AIDS. You can go, you can go Google it. That's that, that is who. (laughs) Yeah, I know you're right. Yeah. That is who (laughs) Tom Brady associates with birds of a feather (laughs) flock together. And Tom Brady is a fucking untalented scumbag and he's gotten every break imaginable. He's a piece of shit, and so are his fans. Not, I, I, should, I should say, <laughs> like 99.9% of his fans. For every cool, and there are some cool Brady fans I've met, So, but for every cool and rational Tom Brady fan that I know, there are a thousand, you know, Brady Abbey's name, you know, TB Goat 12, that are just the most arrogant, annoying pieces of shit ever. So fuck Tom Brady <laughs> and fuck his fan bases. I am waiting intently for the day he finally fucks off and goes away for good. Well, I'm going to tell you. So the conference championship games last year, it was Green Bay, Tampa first, and then Buffalo, Kansas City was the later game. And I watched a game with a couple diehard Green Bay Packer fans, which, by the way, I'm currently living down in Florida. So I'm around suddenly a sea of Tom Brady. I didn't see a Tom Brady jersey all year to the playoffs. All of a sudden, everybody had to get a Tom Brady jersey. But anyway... Yeah, I was really pissed off that game. The second half, three interceptions in the second half, and they and they still find a way to win. That really bothered me. And the Super Bowl, honestly, Mitch Trubisky, we talked about him earlier. He could have won that game if he was the quarterback for Tampa Bay. It was all the defense. The MVP of the Super Bowl. The MVP yeah. of the Super Bowl, Barry, were the two tackles for Kansas City who couldn't block Shaq Lawson or, or JPP the entire game and were killing Patrick Mahomes, literally running for his life. I do agree. If everything's perfect for Brady, he he looks good at times. Like, but yeah, the blocking—if the blocking's bad, or if there's you know some injuries, there's not talent at that week at least because he's always had talent. Yeah, then he's not. He Aaron Rodgers makes plays that Tom Brady never in a million years will. Pat Mahomes does. Uh, Deshaun Watson can make plays that Tom Brady can only dream of. Josh Allen's starting to get there. Uh, back in the day, it was Elway could do that. Uh. Joe Montana did it more than people think. Tom Brady, he, he doesn't do it. Just well, there's doesn't. A, there's, I agree. There's a, there's a reason why he left New England, and it's not because you know he. The reason he left New England is because there wasn't he, he there, for the first time in like two decades. There really wasn't a lot of talent around him, and when he didn't have that much talent, at least at the skill positions, 
uh, last year in 2019 with New England, he was one of the worst quarterbacks in the league. So to me, I always say this when it comes to quarterbacks. I, I, I really don't care what a quarterback can do when he throws from a clean pocket because any quarterback can look good throwing from clean pockets to open receivers. And if you, that's my dog, Cooper. Sure. You can probably hear. That's my dog, Cooper. You can hear wiggling in the background. Um, he's a good boy. Cooper. But, Cooper, yeah, my good, my good boy, Cooper. But uh, as I was saying before, I was so rudely interrupted. Um, no, he's a good boy. But uh, like, I, I what makes it what makes a quarterback special to me, and this is why I love guys like uh, you know Rodgers and Mahomes, and you know Elway's another one, and Russell Wilson. Like these are all guys who, uh, it's it's what you do when a play breaks down. It's what you do when you're forced to go off script, and how you. That's what makes it. That's what makes a quarterback impressive to me. In addition to obviously, you know, being able to, uh, you know, make the simple play. So I mean, t- but like I've said, I think when I when I judge quarterbacks, when I judge the best quarterbacks of all time, and this is another YouTube video I made. Uh, I, I made the ten best quarterbacks of all time, and you know, I, I didn't have Brady on it because I think Brady's overrated. I think he sucks. Uh, and I said, you know, if, if I don't care that you can throw checkdowns to running backs and receivers who are wide open from clean pockets. It is like there's a reason why there's like I, I don't care that you can do that. Like Brady does that as good as anybody, but I don't give a shit about that. There's a reason why when Brady got hurt in 2008, the Patriots replaced him with a high school quarterback and they still had a top five offense. It's because we're able to do all these short throws. But that doesn't impress me. What impress like I'm impressed by the ability for a quarterback to make plays off script to be able to do when plays break down. And, and that's what things like, that's what guys like Rogers and Mahomes and they all, they all, they all succeed with flying colors in those types of situations. Um, but like, but when, when judging quarterbacks overall, I look at, they have to have their production. They have to have good production. Uh, they have to have, they have to pass the eye test and uh, fuck. What was the third one? I forgot. <laughs> I forgot, but they have to have, they have to, pass the they have to have good production and they have to pass the eye test and brady just doesn't just doesn't pass the eye test he never has for me so um again i think that you know, i my opinion is very very rare on brady i understand that i'm in the extreme minority but uh i mean just the the constant ball washing is just it's to the point where it's just disgusting like it really it is like the, like the guy throws three fucking interceptions and a half and we have to hear how he's the second coming of Jesus. I mean, it just it was it was disgraceful. That was really when I said this is this is even worse than usual. And I and honestly, I, I think ever since the Falcons Super Bowl, he he really went from being like a player to being a myth. Like people don't even talk about him like he's a human being anymore. They talk about him like he's this higher power. And uh oh, you know, he he like they like Brady fans, they say, Oh, well, you know, his defenses are good because Brady motivates him. You know, he gives them pep talks on the sidelines and he he does all this shit like he get, like he 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 activates their will to go to another place and i'm like give me like this is so fucking nauseating give me a fucking break this is an insult to my intelligence have some self-respect and wipe your chin okay it's just disgusting and the, the other thing that's hilarious is like this is the other thing that really get like gets me angry is whenever like oh well Tom Brady takes pay cuts, and that's why his teams win the most, but other quarterbacks are selfish because they don't do that. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? 
Are you really fucking kidding me? The guy is married to a fucking woman who's worth $400 million. She makes $40 million a year. The guy gets paid under the table in offshore accounts for years with his TB12 bullshit. Okay. And we're fucking, I'm supposed to give this guy a pat on the back. The same guy who fucking took a million dollar government loan to buy a yacht during the pandemic. He's a hero for taking a few less million dollars. Like he's, he's better than the other guys, the other quarterbacks, because he doesn't take a few million dollars. So he can absolutely afford not to take, give me a fucking break. It's so ridiculous. And this, this idea, like literally every single narrative that, that Brady Tarns come up with is so easily disproven by literally like even five minutes worth of research. It really is. It's like the whole, all the narratives are just so gross and completely false from, you know, the pay cut shit to, uh, oh, well, Brady's defenses are good because he holds the ball longer. Wrong. It's like, oh, well, Brady's defenses are so good because, you know, he, 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 he sustains drives wrong. He sustains drives much longer than anybody else. Wrong. It's because he gains more yards per drive. Wrong. Like all, all of it is completely wrong. It's just, it, and it's so easily disproven and I already disprove it. Oh, well, you know, he, his defenses are always good because he takes pay cuts wrong. Like it's just all of it. Like six of the top eight quarterbacks this past season in terms of cap hit had top 10 defenses. So I don't want to hear any of that bullshit. You know, like, again, I, I know I'm rambling, but I could go on and on and on. Like I, there's so like, it sounds crazy. I understand people like this guy's a fucking lunatic for thinking Brady's, you know, Brady's overrated, but Literally, I ha- I literally have an answer. There is an explanation for literally everything, literally everything. And so, like, and again, I, I understand how how crazy it may sound, but like, I, I literally there is the evidence. I, there's evidence, and there is examples to retort, like as a retort for anything. You can, like, if you come at me with anything Brady related to try and say he's the best, I can come up with a retort and with facts. That is a guarantee. I, I agree with a lot of what you said. Now, your opinion about him might be extreme. That's debatable. A lot of people hate him. Maybe not to the extent you do. A lot of people, obviously, like you talked about, will defend him. The one thing that's not, again, you can't really debate it, whether it's how much of it is luck or not. He's the greatest winning quarterback of all time. But yeah, GOAT? No way. I hate when he's called the GOAT because, I mean, he's, first of all, he's not one of the best quarterbacks even in the NFL right now. Aaron Rodgers is definitely better than him. Patrick Mahomes is definitely better than him. Russell Wilson's better than Deshaun Watson's better than him. And if you want to look at it from a historical context, which is what the GOAT's supposed to be, no shot, man, no shot. Montana's better than him. Marino's better than him. Peyton Manning's better than him. Brett Favre's better than him. I'm just thinking off the top of my head here. Steve Young, I think, is a better quarterback than Tom Brady ever was. Perfect situations he's been in. And yeah, let's call him the greatest winner, but greatest quarterback. Nah. Anyway, before I let you go, Barry, Everyone who follows you knows that you're a LeBron guy. And I'll tell you what, I'd love to have you on the show again, maybe sometime this summer after the NBA season's over. And I would love to have a LeBron-Michael Jordan conversation because I really, unlike Tom Brady, where I agree with a lot of what you say when it comes to him, you could have a legitimate Michael Michael Jordan versus LeBron GOAT conversation. And I think both sides can make a very fair case. But anyway, that that aside, and we'll do that another time because this isn't about MJ, at least this questionnaire to end this. Um, do you think, like, where do you think the Lakers stand right now in regards to LeBron having a chance to win a fifth ring this year? Obviously, Brooklyn's loaded in the East, and they're probably going to come out of the East. But, like, who in the West scares you the most right now when it comes to LeBron? And 
you're not really a Lakers fan. You're a LeBron guy, but you're a Lakers fan right now because he's there. So uh, what teams in the in the West scare you? We'll end that way. Uh, well, I think, I mean, what scares me right now is, is that, uh, I mean, what is he gonna, even going to be healthy for the playoffs? Like, are, what's going to happen with the Lakers? Because, you know, LeBron just went down with, with the a high, uh, the high ankle sprain probably, so he's going to miss a few weeks. And Anthony Davis isn't even there. So, I mean, they, who's going to – it really all depends. Like, what's their seed going to be? Um, I mean, as, as long as they have a healthy LeBron and AD, I think they should be the favorites to win the West. But I tell you, you know, the rest of that, the rest of that Lakers roster, man, is, is just it, – they stink. They, they really – like, at least offensively. I mean, de- defensively, like, Frank Vogel is a great defensive coach. He's always able to get a lot out of his guys defensively. But offensively, Frank Vogel has no idea what he's doing. He has no idea what he's doing. And it's basically offensively, it's just, hey, LeBron, just do what you – just please, LeBron, just just do something for us. And that's basically what – it's just LeBron and AD offensively. So without those two guys, I mean, I think the Lakers are going to fall pretty quickly in the standings these next few weeks. But to go back, I, I got to say, I don't I don't really know. Uh, I mean, I, I think – uh, obviously, overall, is Utah for real? Is Utah for real? They're thirty and eleven right now. As we, I, I, this. I don't, I don't, I don't. Uh, no, I, I don't think that. I think they're a good team. I just think that you know. I, again, I've, I've said this on on one of my own podcasts. I said they're really every year. There seems to be that one team in the regular season that does really, really well, but doesn't have any playoff uh, success, and so people are rightfully pretty uh, skeptical of them. Um, when it comes to Utah, I, I just I, I'm not really worried about Utah. Phoenix, I'm not really worried about Phoenix because I just think that uh, you know they're they're a te- another team that really doesn't have a lot of playoff experience outside of Chris Paul. Um, I guess if you had a you know gun to my head saying who's the biggest threat to the Lakers in the West, I think it would have to be the Clippers. Maybe either the Clippers or the Nuggets. I, th- I think, but um, I feel pretty confident about the Lakers' chances against really any team in the West. To me. Um, the problem, the biggest, the biggest problem, if they get there is, is Brooklyn. I think Brooklyn, I think Brooklyn should win the title. They really, Brooklyn should win the title. I say should, but, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to say that it, it's not as much of a guarantee as, uh, those Katie Warriors teams were, because I still have my reservations about Harden, uh, in the postseason. Like I've seen, let me t- follow that up, Harry. Let me follow that up with a, with a, with a question here, because, they have Harden, they have Kyrie, they have Katie. Are you surprised that they've seen, I mean, Katie hasn't really played much, so they haven't played a lot, all three of them together, but are you surprised that the three of them have gelled as well as they did? Like when LeBron went to Miami, it took a little bit of time for him and Wade and Boss to really kind of gel. Are you a little bit surprised that they've played as well as they've had? I thought there would be a, a much bigger adjustment period, but I mean, they're starting to roll. I have, I don't know, honestly, I'm not, not really, because, you know, think about, think about uh, LeBron going to Miami, was it, the dirty little secret of those Miami teams was that LeBron and Wade, their games didn't really complement each other very well. Uh, right. Because both of those guys, they were you know, slashers. They were, you know, Wade wasn't a good shooter. LeBron's the guy who loves to drive and kick and shit like that. So, but they were both so, at least Wade before his injuries hit, they were both so talented on their own that it didn't, they were able to cover it up. But in terms of stylistically, their games didn't really mesh. Whereas you look at a guy like, you know, Kyrie and Harden and Durant, they're all so talented individually as scorers that it really doesn't matter who is around them. Uh, and Harden, Harden's another guy. He's, he's a great playmaker in terms of, you know, setting up uh, lobs for his teammates. So 
And Durant's, Durant's always been a guy you can just plug and play into really any situation. He can get 25, 30 points in his sleep. So I wasn't, I, I, was, I wasn't really surprised about, uh, about them working so well together so soon. I was surprised at uh, how poor the trade for Houston was. I mean, that, that, that really is going to go down as one of the worst trades in sports history, if it, if it already isn't. I mean, the fact that basically just they gave away Harden for you know, a washed-up Victor Oladipo and uh, a few uh, you know, first-round picks that probably aren't going to amount to shit. Like, so, and they gave away like, you know, one of the best players in NBA history for that in his prime. And it, not only that, but, in do, but they not only tanked their own franchise for the foreseeable future, they also might have, you know, fucked the NBA over because this is a Nets team that, again, you know, they're not as, they don't seem as inevitable as those KD Warriors teams. I don't think any team ever will again. But this is a team that, based on the offensive talent that they have, they should win the title. Uh, and, and a large part of that is because, uh, you know, they were gifted, they were basically just gifted Harden for nothing essentially. And, uh, you know, that, that's, that's one, that's one of the other things about Durant, you know, like Durant, like he, I always said like Durant, Kevin Durant basically gave up trying after 2016. He basically just said after 2016, you know what? I'm done competing. I'm just going to go play on these super teams for the rest of my career. I'm going to make sure that I have at least another league MVP in his prime next to me. And then another teammate that's able to get 20 points in his sleep and, you know, in golden state, he had Steph, he had Clay, and now in 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 Brooklyn, he played you know like ten games or so with just Kyrie, and he said you know no I need more help than this, and so he went he's like no I need Harden and Kyrie. So Durant basically just gave up. Durant is like the most talented luxury in in uh, sports history, where he just he sits out games and his team still win, and then he that he's really he's really only needed you know for like a few series in the playoffs every year. It's pretty disgusting to be honest with you, but. Uh, <laughs> But but yeah, to I think so far right now, I got to be honest. I don't know why. I just haven't been. I I personally haven't been as uh, interested in this NBA season as I have in years past. I, I don't really know why that is, but um, I, you know, it's it's a weird year coming up. You know, it's a short off season and things like that. But it just it doesn't seem like uh, it seems like I don't know. It just like there's not as many intriguing storylines. There's no clear cut. Uh, MVP. Well, at least there wasn't before LeBron got hurt. I think that now, I think Jokic will probably win it if if all goes well. Um, Jokic or, or uh, maybe who knows? But I, I think um, I just I just think that uh, overall, if you look at who is the biggest threat to the Lakers in the West, I would I'd probably say the Clippers. But the Clippers are the Clippers. They're probably going to self combust at some point along the way. Uh, like they did last year, but the Clippers the playoff play, or playoff piss. <laughs> I remember you saying that. I, I literally laughed out loud during your podcast last year. You call them playoff piss. Paul George was talking about. I literally burst out laughing. That was hilarious. Yeah. True. He's he's one of he's just one of those guys that you know. It's like the exact opposite of a of a you know. There's certain guys that you just absolutely hate to see the ball in their hands late in a close game, but. Paul George is one of those guys like, hey, take as many shots as you want, buddy. Yeah. I mean, but playoff, uh, yes, yeah, playoff, yes, yeah. <laughs> to, to me, what, what was surprising, like Paul George melting down wasn't a shock. Kawhi Leonard completely shitting his pants was was the surprise. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In game seven last year. But I mean, uh, yeah, so Clippers are probably the biggest threat to the Lakers in the West, at least for me. Um, and obviously, I, I think I think if all if everything pans out, I think that the Nets are probably going to win. 
uh, in the finals. And we're probably going to have to listen to how, you know, LeBron's a terrible player because he wasn't able to, to beat the Nets with Anthony Davis and pretty much nobody else who can score. Yeah, it's interesting, man. I'm looking forward to, uh, I think that's what's going to be the final too. It, 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 it feels semi-inevitable anyway. Looking forward to it. Anyway, everyone, give Barry a follow on Twitter at UltraWeedHater. Of course, yep. check out the Class Act Podcast and the Barry McConaughey YouTube channel, man. I, I'm telling you, it's good stuff, man. It really is. It's a combination of of fun and, and funny, but also a lot of good stats. Barry, you're a good stat guy, man, and I, I think that's kind of important. You need to have context. If you're going to... Like if you're going to talk shit about Tom Brady, as you talked about, like during your rants, you got to have context to it and you definitely do. But anyway, give Barry a follow and uh, dude, thanks for doing the podcast again, man. Like I said, I love talking sports with you, shooting the shit with you. And next time we're definitely going to have a LeBron, Michael Jordan extended conversation because that's when it just fascinates me a lot. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. But anyway, thanks for doing the pod again, buddy. No problem. Thanks for having me on. All right, boys and girls, that is going to do it for another episode. Very big thank you again, the great Barry McCockiner. Follow him on Twitter while you still can, at Ultra Weed Hater. Again, that's Ultra Weed Hater. And we'll get married to that screen name, no, because sooner or later, I'm sure he'll get suspended. Anyway, Barry's a good dude, man. I actually really like talking to him a lot. And like I told you, man, he, he's funny and he's a troll on Twitter, but he's also got a ton of sports knowledge. Really good with uh, his takes. I love him. So thank you again very much, Barry. Guys, girls, if you have not yet subscribed to this podcast, please go ahead and do it right now. Rate and review. That stuff really helps me continue to grow this show. When you subscribe, new episodes will get sent directly to your phone, your whatever device that you listen to podcast on, literally instantly. So you got that going for you. Plus, like I said, we got some contests going, giveaway stuff that is only for subscribers, including that Macy's Place Pizzeria. Check the show notes again for more information on that. Um, follow us on YouTube, by the way, too. We got a YouTube channel, Talk Buffalo Podcast. Pretty soon, pretty soon, not quite yet, but pretty soon, we're going to start doing some video stuff and going to start having some original content that you'll only find on that channel. Not going to see or hear it anywhere else, not even this podcast. So again, Talk of Buffalo Podcast on YouTube. And of course, last but not least, follow me on Twitter at Pamoran Tweets. I'm constantly tweeting out podcast updates, polls, upcoming guest promos, all kinds of stuff like that. So do that. And thank you very much. You know, I say it all the time. I mean it. It means so much to me that you're dug in and listening to this podcast, giving up your time. I value that very much more than I could possibly express to you. So thank you very, very much. Friday. Casual Fridays with Del Reed. Gonna have a bonus episode too, by the way. In fact, gonna do that tomorrow. How about an NFL Buffalo Bills mock draft? Our first one. I'm gonna do that with Aaron Quinn from Cover One. So be on the lookout. That'll be here tomorrow. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.